Leaders need to become grief literate. They need to have the confidence of knowing exactly what to say, what to do, what to ask, okay? Because if you can't connect with a grieving employee, they're gone. We know how to attract and retain employees, but we don't ever want to talk about grief. If you can show up as a leader to a team in their worst time, you have loyalty for life. Welcome back to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Holman. Boy, do we have a special guest in store for you this month. It's none other than my friend, Kathy Balasak. Kathy is a grief literacy and empathy communication speaker, trainer, and coach. You know, I've entitled this conversation with Kathy, Grief-Informed Leadership, Shaping a Compassionate Workplace. And if there's something we need within our homes, within our neighborhoods, within our teams, and within our organizations, it's certainly compassion. You know, Kathy is an educator, as I mentioned before, a grief literacy communication coach, a university assistant professor, speaker, podcast host, and widow advocate. I really believe you're going to love this inspirational and practical conversation with Kathy as she helps you and me navigate through grief and how we can also help others navigate through it at the same time. Enjoy my conversation with Kathy. Kathy, my friend, welcome to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Rob. It is a privilege to be here. Well, listen, you and I are never short of wonderful conversation, deep, shall I say, authentic conversation. The first time we met, uh, yeah, it didn't take us long at all to really enter in to talk about the people and the things that matter most in life. And today's topic and today's conversation and journey together really is going to be no different than that. But I thought an appropriate place to start having our listeners and our viewers really get a glimpse into who Kathy is. What would be perhaps a story that you want to share with us about who you are? Okay. Thanks, Rob. Yes, we immediately connected. I think we have a love of sports for sure. And um, that is my background. I've, I've been an athletic coach and physical education teacher for over two decades. And I think a story about where my, my love of basketball first, my love of teaching second. You, you have my undivided attention when you mention the word basketball, Kathy. So keep going, please. <laughs> it is my first love. My second love is teaching. And I've had a wonderful career and I teach at the university. But I think a story that sort of sums up my life is when, when I started teaching, um, physical education, you know, a lot of people have been scarred by physical education and it's, you know, only the winners survive and, you know, physical activity and a love of movement is for everyone. And so way back in the day, I was teaching um, at an elementary school and, you know, children just love to play and that essence of, you know, the beginner's mind. I really started thinking a lot about that and and how to motivate and help children learn when they'll do anything you ask them to do. And the parents had a lot of resistance to what I was doing. And so one, I, one night I had a parent night 
And I decided to call PE praise and encouragement. Oh, I love that. And I'm telling you, the parents, the administrators, they just bought into it Hmm. because life, PE, athletics, it's not about the win. Mm -hmm. It's about becoming the best version of yourself and taking the baton and running with it. And I just, that has really implemented me so often in my life. I'm very much a creator. Mm -hmm. I love to create things and then hand the baton to somebody else and motivate and encourage them to go forward. And my life has ebbed and flowed like this, where I've I've done things, I've been knocked down, I've had to pick myself up, but I've always strived to help somebody else think of think of things differently. Mm-hmm. And my personal mission, my third love, yeah. is teaching people to be empathetic and grief literate in a world that we don't want to talk about. So every, I mean, this, all these things happened young in my career and young in my life. And I, I just was raised by wonderful parents. I have a very strong faith that we are here for an instant and our work is not done. Yeah. So I'm here to make some changes in the world. Boy, wonderfully stated. And you'd mentioned about getting knocked down. And um, so thank you, first and foremost, for letting us into your life a little bit. You know, that PE, that's going to stand out for me forever. Trust me on that praise and encouragement. But you did mention getting knocked down. And so many of us, we do get knocked down. And it can come in different shapes and forms because we all live in this world. And this world has curveballs and fastballs being thrown at us all the time. And sometimes we feel like just when one comes, another one comes at a different angle and almost can knock us down. And you say that you've been knocked down. And I think this will really speak, Kathy, if you'd allow us to enter into this space with you as it relates to some grief that you've experienced in your life, because you are a grief literacy expert, coach, speaker, trainer, et cetera, and having absolutely amazing influence with leaders and team members all all over. And I've learned a great deal from you in this space as well. So I just want to say thank you. And some of this is is selfish on my end just to learn from you today in this conversation. So forgive me in advance, but but I really want to maximize our time. So take us into your life a little bit and maybe a time that you've really been knocked down and you've experienced, you experienced grief. And um, and how did others around you handle that grief or not handle it well? And what can we learn from it? I love telling my story. Just so you know, anybody who grieves loves the opportunity to tell tell people about their person. So I, my husband, John, I met him at 31 and I married him. He came with three little kids. And I'm telling you, I would have married him with 10. <laughs> And we had two more together. So I've got my starting five. (laughs) And we had everything, Rob. We had great careers. 
healthy kids. We had a, a home full of love and fun and play. And until we didn't. And one day he came home. He was an airline pilot for FedEx. And he came home and he he just wasn't feeling quite right. We went in. Two days later, we he has a brain tumor, brain cancer, and we're headed to San Francisco for surgery. You know, this is when we're in our 30s. Yeah, your life came to a literally like a screeching halt. It, it came to a screeching halt. And this type of, I mean, it's not just a setback. It is like the biggest dodgeball game ever where you never even get a, get up. You just lay there. Yeah. And I really went from, from wife to caregiver because he fought this disease for five years yeah. and the ups and downs and the chemo and the radiation and all of this. And uh, then I became widowed when he lost the battle. He was 41 years old and um, I was still in my thirties and with five kids and facing that fear of, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to ask. I, it's a blur, honestly. Yeah, I'm sure. But here's the thing. My community, my friends, my faith, my family, they just surround you. They do things, they come out of the woodwork that you can't even imagine that helps you. I mean, I would go outside of my house and somebody would be weeding my garden. Amazing. I would, you know, someone would call me and say, hey, can we take your car in to get the oil fixed? I mean, just all of these little things that you don't realize you don't have time to do. Yeah. You know, I'm sure my kids got fed. I'm sure my <laughs> right, right. It had to happen. Had to happen. got clothed. Yeah. But I don't remember doing it. Do you, you know? Real, real quick, I got to ask you a question in that because you're really taking this in, taking me into this. In that whirlwind, and people are helping, just helping without even probably asking you. In other cases, they are asking you. Was it difficult for you to receive during that time, or did it come more naturally because it was such a whirlwind? You know, here's a couple things. I I didn't have a hard time receiving because I was half time not even with it. Yeah. You know, and you know, my my parents came and, and stayed with me for a few months. And my mom had such a great idea of just let's write down everything you need. So if anybody calls, I can tell them. Yeah. And so you know, really asking for help, even in the form of writing it down. And then then people could do it. Um, but it comes a point in grief, and this is my experience, that everybody gives, gives, gives. And at some point, you're like, you know what? I got to I got to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. I, I love this. I love you but I need to grieve alone. I need to get square with the person in the mirror. I need to have the grief spiral, do the work. And I needed to say thank you, but maybe later mm -hmm. to a lot of people who wanted to give help at that time. 
you know, and on the flip side, this is what a lot of people who grieve and experience loss feel that many people can't show up or didn't show up or won't show up. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. You know, if, if some, you know, if this beautiful life that they're witnessing in front of them, if that could happen to her and their family, it could happen to my family. And it's, it's so painful. I don't want to go there. So, you know, I don't, I don't have any ill feelings towards people who, who didn't show up for us. I just, I have an understanding and an empathy that these emotions are too deep. Mm -hmm. And so I think forgiveness, acceptance, empathy for others is a huge way to heal. Mm -hmm. Because being bit, being staying in the bitter barn yeah. is not worth it. We got to get out and play in the hay. I, I, no, and I love so, I love how you put that. It was for you. It seems like, and I'm sure for most people, grieving and grief for you was quite a process. Um, what were some? Were there some milestone markers along the way for you? And perhaps maybe it was just a process, or wasn't like this kind of stake stake put in the ground moment for you. But at least want to allow if there if there was or like you know, a moment along the way or moments along the way to where you're like, yeah, like you really had an intentional time of grieving, or you allowed yourself to grieve, or perhaps a, a faithful family member, a friend was with you. And you were crying uncontrollably, you know, like, were there anything that you really jumped out that may help us listening, talking to you that maybe we're holding stuff in a little too much? Maybe we don't know how to grieve, maybe in a healthy way. So we're keeping it in, keeping it in, but we really need that release. Like, what would you say to someone that might be in that place today? First of all, give your permission, give yourself permission to grieve. Mm. Whatever loss you feel. And take the time and space to do that. You can't get to the valley if you're still trying to avoid it. Yeah. And, you know, I describe grief as like this comfortable cloak. You know, I would, I would put it on and I would go and look at all of our memories and pictures and cry. It's like watching that you know, very sad movie yeah. that we just weep and cry. And, and I wear this grief cloak that I stay in and it's comforting. And there comes a time where it's not comfortable anymore. Oh. And you have to be willing to take that cloak off and be extremely vulnerable and say, this hurts. I'm in pain. I need help and find the best grief support psychologists, grief support groups that can help you because you're not alone. And we love to just stay in that little pity party because we have every right to. I mean, I can play the widow card whenever yeah. I want. I have every right to do that. <clears throat> and so, but sometimes that becomes a crutch. And so we stay in that area for too long and I remember a time when my mom was visiting and I was just in a very low space. 
And, you know, parents love us and the way they show they love us, they're honest with us. Yeah. And she just said to me, Square, Kathy, he's not coming back. Yeah. And you're kids lost one parent and you cannot let them lose another. Yeah. That was a real switch for me. And I started to really put the oxygen mask on me and say, I'm going to show up no matter what I'm going to show up. I might show up 10 minutes somewhere and leave, (laughs) you know, but you're still going to show up, but you're still going to show up. And I really had to be very strategic of people and places that triggered me and set some boundaries for myself. Hmm. You know, knowing when you go to the back to school night with all the other parents and you're solo, Mm -hmm. you know, that's going to be triggering. You know, there's other parents that aren't going to talk to you because I make people uncomfortable. I'm like the turd in the punch bowl. Nobody wants to talk to me because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's an illustration I've never heard before, <laughs> but I'm right there with you. <laughs> because I make people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I, people who know me, I, I'm very witty and I'm, I've always been kind of the class clown. I use humor as my coping mechanism yeah. and they're always shocked that I'll say certain things, but people who grieve. Yeah have an incredible sense of humor and you know because we've been through hell and back and at some point you find yourself laughing again Mm -hmm. and that was a real turning point for me I found myself laughing and playing again and people looked at me like you shouldn't be doing that. Okay. You, you just went through this heavy grief. This is not a picture that seems natural. And I'm telling you one thing that I've learned is grieve. However, the way you want, go live your life, be exactly who you are. Yeah. So good. So good. Calling all leaders. This is Rob Holman, and I'm sure you would agree with me, whether it's personal experience or secondhand experience, there is a glaring well-being problem in our world and in our workplaces. Matter of fact, I came across a Deloitte survey recently that revealed that almost 70% of executives are considering leaving their jobs for workplaces that care more for their well-being. Part of the same study also said that 57% of employees outside of management roles want to quit for similar reasons. Okay, there is clearly a problem here. Lack of well-being in the workplace. And I love how Tiki David, a Psychology Today blog writer, defines well-being. It's the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity. It actually includes having good mental health, high life satisfaction, a sense of meaning or purpose, and the ability to manage stress. In Steps, my inside out leadership philosophy and principles, it's all about helping provide the tools, setting you up for greater success of embracing your unique identity, living and leading out of a place of purpose and passion to where you remain vibrant and sustainable 
for the long haul. So you as an end result can better serve people within your sphere of influence. I have a couple great resources for you to seriously consider. Take my free five-minute well-being assessment to get a finger on the pulse of how you're doing in this moment and in this time. To find out more information on that, please go to www.robholman.com forward slash checkup. In addition to that, check out my books. I have three of them. The first is Lead the Way, more to deal with personal leadership. The second, All In, how you can build and foster trust from the inside out. And lastly, and most recent book, Move the Needle, which is how you can have greater organizational influence from the inside out. All three books can be found on Amazon. Hopefully, these resources greatly encourage and inspire you on your inside-out leadership journey. Kathy, um, we spend a vast majority of our time, many of us, in the workplace, you know, with team members, with organizational environments, you know, and here we're talking about grief and the importance and the value of having people come alongside of you, family members, friends. How about in-steps team members, in-steps a leader of the team? How or what do we need to really know about grief so we can navigate through it with people on our team in a healthy way? What are some things we should say, shouldn't say? How should we go about leading a team or being a part of a team to where we can bring a certain level of awareness of grieving without it being becoming an obsession in the workplace? Like, what do we need to know? I got to ask you that because, again, we're spending over about 80% of our time, whatever the numbers are, in the workplace, and people are grieving far more than we even realize. But be willing to, to enter into that space and even in the midst of it, offer a little PE, a little praise and encouragement, <laughs> but in a way that where people can truly grasp. Speak into that for a moment okay. for us. I love this question because this is how my business was born. Industries, leaders, firms, companies, employees, we all need to become grief literate. That is priority number one. Okay, leaders need to become grief literate. They need to have the confidence of knowing exactly what to say, what to do, what to ask. Okay, because if you can't connect, with a grieving employee, they're gone. Great. You know, we know how to attract and retain employees, but we don't ever want to talk about grief. You know, if you can show up as a leader to a team in their worst time, you have loyalty for life. I mean, you do, but we just were never taught that language of loss. So we, we don't do it well. We live in this illiterate society of, of we don't know what to say. And so we, we kind of, you know, Brene Brown calls it zigzagging. We think, well, should we call? Should we write? I'll do an email. Oh, I'll text. And then in the end, we don't, we never say anything. We're ignored. The number one thing that grievers want is to be acknowledged. Okay. You don't need to fix people in loss because you can't but they can be acknowledged, they can be heard. There's certain statements that really need to be out of, of the vernacular. You know, things that people say like, 
you know, it's, they're in a better place. It's God's plan. You know, you're so resilient. You're, whatever you believe, you know, you and I share a very strong faith. Mm-hmm. But in deep grief, people question their faith. Yeah. And so saying that doesn't connect. You know, saying things like, you know, comparing your grief. We we want to really connect. And so people try to compare. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they'll say, I, I know exactly how you feel. Or, you know, my dad passed away. And so all they're doing is they're just one-upping. That's old school one-upping. Mm-hmm. And we have to say, acknowledge, you know, thank you for sharing your loss with me. What is your father's name? You know, I'd love to hear more about Dean if you feel comfortable in sharing. You know, that opens the conversation, that invites the story. But often what we do is, well, how how old was your father? Um, Were you close with your father? How did he die? It really sets people off. Why are you asking me details about the death, not details about their beautiful life? And so we've, what all of these things are saying, all the things that we shouldn't say, the reason we say them is because we don't want to talk about it. This is too sad. It makes me face my own mortality. And I don't want to go there. Hmm. Completely normal, right? Sure. Completely normal. But part of leadership is knowing that this is the blind spot. And we are really losing people in a time when they really need us to show up. And so getting your whole team grief literate. Getting an an exit and entrance policy when somebody goes out on bereavement leave, which they should at least have two to four weeks. And right now the norm is three to five days, Wow, which is sad. Every time I, by the way, Kathy, every time I hear that, it just, it makes me cringe because it, it tells me, it tells that working professional, that human being going through something, um, we don't get you. and But yet there's an opportunity for deeper, more authentic connection. And with some of these, you know, hopefully new protocols and new processes put into place that would allow time for bereavement in that kind of a way and allow space and time to really kick in the way that you're describing. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Bereavement leave costs money, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's compare giving more bereavement leave to having this employee leaving you. Hello? Yeah, there you, you know? go. I mean, I I often quantify a lot of grief and loss to money because that's when people start to pay attention and they really start to make changes because, you know, companies lose clients because they can't connect in compassion and empathy through grief. They lose employees. And that's the end result. But I see it as an opportunity. Yeah, There is so much sadness 
emotional sadness, mental health, depression, and isolation. And if we could just acknowledge and refrain from trying to cheer it out of them, you know, you'll get this, you're so resilient, you're so tough. You're, you know, we are culturally conditioned to cheer grief away yeah. when it can't be. You know, you think of all types of loss, an illness, you know, a a transfer in life, a retirement, an empty nest. People are feeling loss. They sure and are. yet we'll say something like, yeah, but look at all the time you have now with your kids yeah. in college. Look at now you can travel. Look at and it doesn't connect. It doesn't land. It's like how many air balls are you going to keep on shooting? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not working. No. And <laughs> so how about you acknowledge the loss? You know, this must be taught must be hard. You know, an empty house now that was full of so much action. Okay. And now our identity has changed because we're no longer parents and go into all of these things. Now I've got to refigure my identity. And there's a loss to that. There's a sense of loss. And too many people just come in and tell us what to do and what to look at and find the silver linings. Here's the thing. Let the person find their own silver linings. It's not our job to point them out to somebody else. And so when I work with teams or CEOs and coaching, this is exciting. Grief literacy is where you are lifting the weight off of somebody else. That's it. You are sharing the load. Yeah. You are helping in a manner that very few know how to, and you are creating a distinction that everybody is going to want to work with you. You know, Kathy, I am listening to you and could not agree more. What an opportunity for senior leaders and executives to set the tone and to build a rebuild a culture, a compassionate culture, empathetic one. And speaks to one word for me as I'm listening to you, presence. You know, when we acknowledge and we know what to say or what not to say in that process with a team member, a colleague, et cetera, we could be more present with them. And in and through being more present, we find out you know, how we can encourage them, how we could help them, how the team could help them at large, how we can certainly be in their corner, not just in the here and now, but in the days, weeks, and months to come. But I've got to ask you this question as we're bringing our time to a close. You know, there's, there's a situation perhaps within the workplace environment where everyone knows someone's lost uh, a family member, a friend, and the impact maybe it's having on them. And there's a communication course in which the, the executives, the leaders have put in place and people are beginning to know. But there's so much that goes unknown. Like, how do you, what piece of advice would you give leaders to kind of open up dialogue to see if anything's there? Like an undiagnosis, uh, a, a relationship, a marriage that's, you know, we don't want certainly team meetings to turn into full-fledged counseling sessions all the time. However, prodding or opening that door of us asking human to human how life is going, 
there anything I can keep in mind for you right now? Any challenges you like, is there any way to put that? Is there any way to enter into that space in that place that people will know that they do matter? If they haven't gone to us with something, you know, really big happening in their life that we can in a sense go to them or go to the team to ask and to prod in a good way, a healthy way. Yeah. Anything that you'd say along those lines to us so we could so we could actually know that people are grieving a little bit more than what we even realize. I love this question. Um, and I love that element of presence. Uh, because presence to me, you got to be prepared. Okay. You don't just walk on the field and throw the touchdown pass. Okay. You've done some preparation to get yourself there. And team leaders, CEOs, whatever, you have to have set this stage first. You've had to make it a priority in your policies and your procedures and becoming grief literate first. Then when you're in a meeting, they're trusting you at your word when you say, I care about all of you. And I know there's losses going on. You've taught them that loss isn't just about death. It's about all these other types of things. And that's an opportunity to share. However, you open that door and a really good thing to say is you're welcome to share it here. You're welcome to write it. You're welcome to have an appointment with me and do one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Because not everybody is wants to share this in front of everyone. I also think it's really important that you have, I like triad, triad team members because three people on all of your teams, they need to be sharing these losses. And you say as a leader, I want, you know, if this is some conversations in what we're working on and in life, I really want you to get to know each other's lives. And so, because share the wins, share the losses, mm -hmm. say what you need. Because being the leader, I can't hear it all. No. And I want you to be heard. And three people are the perfect number. You know, there's this thing in sports psychology called the Ringelman effect. And if, if you put three together, everybody pulls their weight. As soon as you put the fourth, you've got this, well, now who's doing oh, what? Yeah. Yes. And, um, and so really dividing the team. And this is a great way if somebody goes out on a bereavement leave, who's going to contact everybody of what they need? Who's going to, you know, communicate? Um, there has to be policies and processes first. There has to be different types of messaging, emails that go out to this person. I mean, they can't get the normal thank you, happy holidays, happy new year. Yeah. You know, these are small types of communications that can help companies, help leaders, you know, be different, be mm -hmm. unique, and show that you care. It's not the big announcement, we're going to make this a focus. It's the tiny little things mm -hmm. of consistency that make this a safe space. Mm -hmm. Because if as a leader, people know you are a safe space, they're going to share things with you. 
You know, I, I was speaking at a big financial company and the main leader, I didn't know him. And I thought, I'm going to go introduce myself to him. And so I did. And he says, oh, you're the grief girl. Mm -hmm. And he <laughs> immediately tells me that he and his wife lost their son who had died by suicide. Mm. Just him knowing that I talk about this and I help people, a stranger tells me one of their deepest pains. So leaders need to be vulnerable. That's right. That's right. And and I, I want to encourage right now, everyone listening, you, you could be a CEO, an executive, a team leader, and you're like, yeah, put my hand up. I need help. We need help. Our team needs help. Our organization needs help. Reach out to Kathy and I'll put it in the in the show notes about how you can best do that. And certainly at the end of our time, as we're drawing to an end now in the next couple of minutes of a way that you can best reach out to Kathy as well. Why don't we do that now, Kathy? So we don't even let any more time escape. If someone is listening, they're like, yeah, you have me. Like, I, I, I want to learn more about this. I want to be more better connected to my team. And I want to be more present. And I want us to be more present as an organization and build that into the culture. You know, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way? The best way for them to reach out to me is Kathy at KathyBenlasic.com. That's my email. Just email me directly. You know, another way, go to my website. You know, I, I speak. I train CEOs, I train teams, virtual and live workshops, because this is not a one and done skill. No, no. You know, I mean, let's, this is a band, this, we can't do a bandaid on a gaping wound. And here's my pitch. Not only will you become a better leader, you'll become a better person. Yeah. And this will impact your life and your family for all the years. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine, you know, organization that brings you in, um, you know, some provide a level of awareness within the organization, within team or teams, but the sticking power in a sense, right? The, the long-term sustainability is like a full-fledged program, I, I'm, I'm sure, where there's certainly awareness, there's coaching, there's speaking, there's training. And so just the, to know that you are an invaluable resource that way, not only for me, but um, our peers and those listening, the leaders all over the world, we just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you on behalf of everyone. Kathy, what would you say you want your legacy to be? Oh, that is so hard. Yeah, it is. To, to think about. First, I think my legacy is that I change the conversation that you have at home and at work and at play with the tough stuff about loss and grief. Mm -hmm. Because these are the conversations that you will remember. You know, these are the conversations that make a difference. And some people don't want to hear it, but they're listening. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you a real quick story. Um, 
I was telling my son, Jesse, who's 24, that I love John Denver. And he was teasing me. And I said, well, I really want the song Sunshine on My Shoulders to be played at my funeral. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't want to hear it, Mom. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to talk about it. But I come home a couple days later and he's on the piano. And what is he playing? Sunshine on my shoulder. He's listening. Yeah. He's listening. He's telling his siblings. And as adults, as humans, as leaders, we have to start this conversation because people want it and they're not ready to hear it. So we keep on planting seeds. Mm-hmm. more and more and more. And that's what I want. I want this seed of grief, grief literacy to spread across the world. It's my love language. It is my love letter to the world. That's my legacy. Well, I'll tell you, it is spreading all around the world. And through those listening to this podcast, it has the opportunity to spread around the world even that much more. And so we're grateful that you've given up your time, your energy, just on who you are, Kathy. You are just such a gift to me and so many other people. And I think the opportunity lies in each one of our lives to take a proactive step in listening to you and hearing from you today. Um, so you do have a new book coming out. You've co-authored a new book, which I've got to talk, you know, just even briefly about, but it's called Inspiring Women, Purpose, Passion, and Power in Professionalism. Share a little bit about that book and where we can get a hold of it. Okay, so it... You know, I I really want to write a book. And so this was a way to dip my toes in being an author. And a fabulous woman um, asked me to be an author in one of the chapters. And it's all of these amazing women who are professional and mission-driven and writing how they got there. And so for my chapter, it tells a lot about who I am and where I came from and this small Montana kid, you know, teaching PE, loving sports, and then all of my challenges that led me to my mission-driven work and what grief literacy is. So for me, it was this wonderful opportunity to try being an author and to share my story and to create an awareness that there's this skill it's called grief literacy and it's going to change your life. That's right. And so you can get it on Amazon, uh, November 9th and I'll send it to you the exact date so you can blast it out. And I just, I'm amazed by these other women because we're not here alone and getting to be a part of this book and, and learn and grow from these other women and their experiences in life. It's been huge. So thank you for mentioning it. Of course, of course. We're going to end how we started. You know, you talked about being a PE teacher and the praise and encouragement. And Kathy, I just, as I listen to you, every time I either think of you or we get a chance to chat formally, informally, I think of a woman who God has gifted tremendously, who is really confident in who she is and who God made her to be, And to take the milestone moments along the way of good, bad, and ugly, and really be committed and remain committed in looking for the good, regardless of the situation, to further serve people all around the world with your deep well of experience, 
knowledge, personality, giftedness. And there's even far more people being impacted than you even realize. And in many regards, I feel like your journey is just beginning of having greater influence and impact. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is a timely message, not just for me, for the Inside Out Leadership audience, but I believe leaders and people all around the world. So thank you so much. That is just the nicest, kindest thing that you could say. And I so appreciate it. And I do believe that God has me here with you on this day for a reason. And for anybody out there who's grieving, I see you. I I hear you. And my heart is with you. So thank you, Rob. This has been just an honor. Oh, you bet. And that's going to that's gonna be a wrap, everyone, on Inside Out Leadership. Until next month, thank you for joining us and have a very, very impactful, joyous day. Bye-bye for now.